Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host on yet another Sunday in the Paschal season, according to the Gregorian calendar, and in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, That at least those churches that follow the Gregorian calendar, because those of our brothers and sisters in Christ of the Eastern Lung of the Church, of our Orthodox brethren, and even some Eastern Catholic churches that are not celebrating the Paschal season yet. They're still in Lent. That's the difference between the Julian calendar, so-called old calendar, and the Gregorian calendar. Most of us follow the Gregorian calendar, but not all. So we say Christ has risen to all those of you who are on the Gregorian calendar, whether you are of the Eastern Lung of the Church or Western Lung of the Church. And once again, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. And this particular Sunday in the Paschal season, boy, what a glorious season it is, all these wonderful themes each Sunday we have. Well, this particular theme is a Sunday of the paralytic. Remember, that's the gospel story from John chapter 5, and that's where Jesus comes upon the man who, it's on the Sabbath, happens to be on the Sabbath, and is by this pool that is supposedly curative. It has five porticos in it, and they would put people down in there. It's something what we would call today like a, like a sauna or a hot tub or a hot bath or something, hot spring kind of thing, apparently. And supposedly people were cured. Well, this man is there for years, and nobody puts him in the water, and he's paralyzed, so he can't get in there by himself. So Christ comes along, and of course, he asks him, do you want to be cured? And the man says, well, yeah, but I have no one to put me into the water. And Christ, of course, as often is in the case of John's gospel, Christ is speaking on two levels. And this level, he's talking about the real cure. In fact, in the prayers that we say during this Sunday of the paralytic, we say this, and this is from the matin service for the Sunday of the paralytic. O Lord, the pool did not heal the paralytic, but your word renewed him. His many years of sickness could not hinder your power. Your voice held more authority over him than his infirmity. 
He threw away the burden of his sickness and carried the weight of his bed, a testimony to your abundant compassion. Glory to you, O Lord. Well, first of all, we have the imagery of water. We have lots of water imagery in the scripture readings in the Byzantine calendar after Easter, because, of course, after, you know, during the Paschal season, there's a lot of focus on baptism, because baptism, of course, is our sharing in Christ's death and resurrection. So, and of course, there's the Paschal Vigil, where traditionally people were baptized in the church, both east and west. And so there's a lot of water theme, a lot of water theme having to do with going into the water or being exposed to water, references to water that are also curative, that change people, transform the persons in the story. And here, the paralytic is being transformed, not by the waters of this pool, but rather by the transforming healing words, the grace of Jesus Christ himself. As the, the prayer, as it says that the, the, the pool did not heal the paralytic, but your word renewed him. He threw away the burden of his sickness and carried the weight of his bed. Now, this is very significant, lots of meaning here. And it's something that is a sign of, another example of how relevant in our lives the Eastern liturgical sacramental ethos, you know, that sacramental liturgical worldview is. Because what is this telling us? This is actually giving us a glimpse of what real health care is. You know, there's a lot of talk about health care plans today and health. Well, real health ultimately lies in Jesus Christ. He is the divine physician. And this gospel is a classic case of that in the liturgical services and the prayers, we actually make mention of that. It's kind of like a, a real health care plan. It's what we like to call it in our parish, Annunciation Real Health Care Plan, meaning that in living in doing Christ, that is where real healing is because healing has to do with the whole person. You know, sickness, death comes from sin. So in order to heal the body, heal us from sickness, we have to also work on the spirit, the soul, the sin. That's right. It's a, it's a composite. I know it's hard for us to think in those terms, but it's actually a composite. It's a, kind of a very, in fact, uh, the church has been doing holistic or homeopathic medicine for 2,000 years, actually. And it's especially true in the liturgy of the Eastern churches, because we make a very big point about Christ being the real healer. And in fact, whenever we are healed, or we think or believe that we are healed by modern medicine, or maybe it's by, you know, in terms of mental illness or psychological healing from a counselor, a psychiatrist, a physician, whatever the healing, whatever level it's on, if there is healing, if you really look at it, it's really because in some way that healing is doing Christ. It is. It really is. It's doing Christ. And the best healing is doing Christ. The best healing is understanding the human person fully understanding what it is to be human, what we need as human beings, what we don't need, what helps us, what hurts us, and living according to that. A lot of health is actually preventive medicine. And by that, I mean preventing ourselves from slipping into sin, into things that ultimately harm us physically and spiritually. So this gospel story and the liturgical text for this Sunday are actually kind of a real healthcare plan. Remember, Christ is the divine physician. And in doing Christ, immersing ourselves in Christ, just as we immerse ourselves in the waters of baptism, in our immersion of people into this pool that was supposedly curative, that was only symbolic. It was symbolic of what is the immersion through baptism into Christ, the real and divine physician. We become most whole, most healthy on all levels to the degree that we do Christ. And in fact, conversely, 
all, all sickness, and of course death, comes about in some way, in its own way, and we really work it down, look underneath it all, it comes about from us not being or doing Christ. And I mean that not just individually, but collectively. You know, it's from the time of original sin. From anything that goes against God's order, that's what brings sin and death into the world. So to cure that, we have to move in the direction of God's order of things on all levels, from foods we eat, from things we do or don't do, from our prayer life, our spirituality, our physical life, our emotional life, psychological, the whole package, the whole package has to be about doing, immersing ourselves in Christ. And that begins by immersing ourselves in the waters of baptism. That's the real healing. And that's why the church proposes this particular gospel, because it's trying to say that, look, no other secular means really heals. Don't rely on secular things. Don't rely on anything that is not directly of Christ. So it's a very relevant story, and that's what the symbol was the, between the pool that the man was put into that really didn't cure. Maybe it helped people a little bit, but it didn't really cure. The, the, the contrast of that with the real healing that can only come from Christ. So it's a very, very relevant gospel made very, very relevant through the liturgical text and prayer of the Byzantine liturgical calendar in this great Paschal season. Now, I also want to pause here for a moment and First of all, I want to say hello to some people, and Christ has risen to a couple of our favorite listeners here, Sonia, out there in California. Hello, Sonia. Thank you for just your great dedication to us here, Light of the East, uh, such a such an abiding presence for us here. And also, good longtime friend, William Radovich. Now, he's in the Illinois area, so all the way from Illinois to California, I want to thank both of you. You have been real listening pillars of Light of the East over the years, so I want to send out greetings to you. Christ is risen. I also want to let you be aware of a couple of things. Now, get a piece of paper and pencil, and you're going to write these things down. First of all, to learn more about the Eastern churches in a really handy little way. It's a book that's kind of the Eastern version of the Magnificat booklet. I want you to go and find out about the Theosis magazine, Theosis Spiritual Reflections from the Christian East. And that is a book in which I am a contributing author. And to find out more about it, go to ecpubs.com, ecpubs.com. This is a Theosis Spiritual Reflections from the Christian East. It's a handy, pocket-sized little booklet, something like the Magnificat. It's got all kinds of great information, but it's brief. It's only about 100 pages, but full of information, beautiful pictures, beautifully done, beautifully laid out. Real handy little thing. Theosis, Spiritual Reflections from the Christian East. You know, nowadays, I know people have our time with a lot of attention span of reading long, laborious things, but this is very, very handy, very manageable. So if you want that quick one source, go to ecpubs.com and look up Theosis, Spiritual Reflections from the Christian East. And you can also get this on Ezine. In other words, you can actually get it from the internet. Another thing I'm going to tell you about, and it's by the same individual, Jack Figo from Eastern Christian Publications, is a chance to go to Bratislava, Slovakia, and also Washington, D.C. These are two versions of the Oriental Illumin Conferences, which Jack Figgle puts on, and it's a, it's a magnificent thing, and you get all these different speakers, very esteemed speakers, very informative, a lot of fun, very community-building. It's just wonderful. Now, the one in Bratislava, Slovakia is Monday to Thursday, July 8th to 11th, 2013, Bratislava, Slovakia. The other one in Washington, closer to home here, is Monday to Thursday, again, June 17th to the 20th, 2013. One is in Bratislava, Slovakia, the other one in Washington, D.C. Now, if you get information, go to olconference.com, olconference.com. So maybe that's enough websites for the moment. I'll let you take a break here. I'm Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East.
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Praying, it's not about you. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. The Ukrainian Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky once wrote, When we pray for our own needs or the needs of those closest to us, we are certainly doing the right thing. But who of us actually realizes how much self-love there can be in these prayers? It may be that for such prayers we deserve the criticism of Jesus Christ, and sinners and publicans do the same. For these also love their children and care about their health and temporal goods. But when in prayer... We forget ourselves for at least a moment and worship God for his own sake. A moment like this can be one when God's own spirit prays within our hearts with those inexpressible sighs of which St. Paul says, the spirit himself intercedes for us. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host here on Light of the East. And I left off before the break giving a lot of uh, number of <laughs> resources for books and pamphlets and websites. But again, I want to say that one more time in case you didn't get it. Again, for the Orientime Lumen Conferences, which of course means Light of the East. That's where we get the name of this program. And if you want to go to Bratislava, Slovakia, which I highly recommend, go to olconference.com. Again, this will be in the summertime, Monday to Thursday, July 8th to the 11th. And also, if you want to be closer to home, Washington, D.C., at the Washington Retreat House, another Oriental Lumen Conference. And again, same place, go to olconference.com, olconference.com. And for the Theosis Magazine, a whole lot of other sources, go to ecpubs.com, ecpubs.com. And all this is from our great friend, Jack Figo, does a lot of ecumenical work. Now, as we sort of emanate outward from the actual moment of the resurrection, of that Paschal Sunday itself, the gospel stories and everything else that we do and pray in the Eastern churches during the Paschal season is basically to give us the message, kind of a mission of what we're supposed to be about. And that's the mission, the charge that was given to first the women at the tomb, the myrrh-bearing women as we call them, and then eventually to the apostles, then to the disciples of the apostles, the missionaries, and all those through time up to ourselves until the end of time, to the second coming of Christ. Now, what is that mission? What is that charge? That charge is to take the message of the resurrection, the joy of that moment, of that hope, 
the joy of that event. In other words, life, the message of going from death to life, death to life. And many times we are faced with that personally, in our personal lives. Sometimes we have to choose what seems to be almost like death for ourselves. And I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about sometimes things that are self-destructive or things that aren't, aren't really life-giving for us. We have to choose between that and choices that are life-giving. We move from death to life personally. We move from death to life in many ways in a family. And we also do it in terms of the church, even our parishes. This is certainly the case in many, many Eastern Catholic churches across America in this time, because we're in a time now of great transition in the Eastern churches, especially in North America, because so much has changed demographically throughout America, and many of the Eastern churches find themselves kind of caught in this change. And many times our parishes are in situations, not all of them, but many of them are in situations where there's a discernment that has to be made between life and death. What do you choose? Can we move from what seems to be the, the tomb to the resurrection in this parish? There's one particular parish that is in that situation that has made the choice for life It's a parish near my own parish. It's called St. Mary's Byzantine Catholic Parish in Whiting, Indiana, which was faced with that choice that we hear about in Deuteronomy. I put before you life or death. That little parish has chosen life, has chosen the resurrection. But that is sometimes an awesome and fearful choice. And it's one filled with a lot of uncertainty. It requires a lot of faith, a lot of trust. And sometimes we need to encourage these parishes, especially today. As you know, those of you even of the Latin Rite, you know that many parishes in your own diocese have had to be combined or have been closed. And there's sometimes a lot of uncertainty in the future. But the point is, we still choose to move from death to life. Well, this little parish did. And I had the opportunity of hosting one of our seminarians who's studying in Rome. He stayed with me during Holy Week and Bright Week, And he also spent some time at St. Mary's Parish in Wedding, Indiana. He had a message for them, a message that I think is worth hearing during this time of the resurrection. It's a message of encouragement from a seminarian. It's a wonderful message of encouragement from a seminarian to this parish to continue to choose the resurrection, life over death. His name is Andrew Summerson, and this was his message. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Hello, St. Mary's. This is Andrew Summerson. I'm not quite in Rome yet. I'm actually just about to leave to get on the plane, but I've spent the last two weeks here in Chicago between Homer Glen and Whiting as I prepare for marriage with my fiance, Laura. I didn't want to leave without trying to find a way to speak to all of you. I didn't have the, as much time as I thought I would, and I got to see some of you in some of my various trips but unfortunately, I couldn't be there for a Sunday. Anyways, first of all, I wanted to compliment you and just say what a marvelous job that you've done to the church. The whole renewal of the inside in the church just spoke volumes to me. It just it was such a beautiful renovation. And it also spoke volumes to my fiance, Laura. She looked at it and just really felt herself in front of the presence of God and embraced, certainly, by his presence. And I was asked, too, as I understand that you're in a period of discernment to understand what it is that you are to do as a parish, what 
God wants of you to do. And as I prayed with you and as I've talked with some of you and as I recall so fondly the time I spent in waiting, working with you and for you, uh, I just wanted to give you a couple of my thoughts. That I saw this wonderful renovation of the church and it really, it doesn't end with the paint on the walls. You and your job of the St. Mary's Parish in Whiting is to paint the entire city with the presence of God. And you may ask yourselves, how can we do that? We're so few. But Christ chose 12, and all his 12 abandoned him, and left him there alone on the cross just with his mother, and one apostle. That's all it took to start a church. And then you might ask, but so many of us are so much older. But just as God asked Abraham and Sarah to go out to the promised land and to multiply and be the father and mother of nations, despite how old we are, despite how few we are, actually, these are the kind of people that God likes to work with because it makes them look all the more glorious. He didn't choose the princes to make his name known across the earth. He chose the fishermen. And so I come to you people, brothers and sisters, as I work with you, I really learned to love you. And I really learned to love your city. And I really got to see all the wonders that he wants to work for the city of Whiting. The wonders he wants to work, not just in the city, but he wants to begin with your lives. So don't lose hope. You are the paintbrushes with which God wants to paint the presence of God. And he wants the whole surrounding area to know from your voices how great God is. What a great beginning you have. This is a new start, a new church, a new time. Hold on to this newness and let go of you know the past. So many times we hear in the gospel the people who looked disapprovingly at Jesus saying, can anything good come from Nazareth? And I'm sure maybe in the back of your minds we're hearing, can anything good come from St. Mary's in Whiting? Everything good can And I saw it when I was in the midst of you. And I look forward to seeing it again and multiplied. Please stay hopeful and know that you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with God. I offer my prayerful support in any way I can. Andrew, a sinner. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. The message of this young seminarian to this little church that is choosing life over death, that is literally beginning its own resurrection, its own renewal, as unpredictable as it may seem, that message is the same message that Jesus Christ gave to the paralytic on the Sunday of the paralytic. Remember, he said to him, rise, take up your mat and walk. And if you recall the story of this paralytic, when Jesus comes upon him, he does what you and I often do 
what we do in the church, I think, far too often, especially in our day and age, because oftentimes feel very sort of beaten down, perhaps, especially as Catholics today, is we kind of adopt a bit of a codependency, a bit of a victim position, a bit of a hopeless or feel sorry for position. That's what the paralytic did. He gave an excuse to Jesus when Jesus came upon him. He says, oh, there's nobody here. He was dependent upon others. There's nobody here to put me in the water. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, gee, that's, too, that's terrible. It's too bad. What does he say? He gives him command, rise, take up your walk, take up your mat and walk. Jesus moves him beyond the excuse, the victimhood, towards an attitude of resurrection. That's the message of Jesus' resurrection, the message he gives to the paralytic, the message of the church in this time of the Paschal season, and our message here on Light of the East. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>